0: Thanks so much for
1: inviting me. Looking forward to it, Mandy.
0: Likewise, we have planned to have you on for a few months and I'm glad we finally got the schedule because I know that what you have to share is so incredibly valuable and just goes hand in hand with what we do at our work at Hands Off CEO. And I know that you really work with entrepreneurs now who are peak performing, or, or do you
1: work with more than just entrepreneurs? I shouldn't put that. With Entrepreneurs, CEOs, professionals, and some other high performers. I'm in New York, so you do get actors and dancers and musicians, but mostly I work with entrepreneurs, with CEOs, with other professionals, a lot of health professionals.
0: So what led you to this? And you know, how did you get involved in peak performance training and, and working with CEOs on these challenges?
1: Well, it's kind of fun. It started because they showed up as my patients. And they showed up because they were anxious, sometimes depressed, but a lot of times anxious. They were really struggling with their business and so there were two aspects one they were struggling with their business the other it was leaking over into their personal life it was affecting their health it was affecting their state of being their relationships they weren't happy so I came from a background I'm that unusual therapist because I'm a clinical psychotherapist and a business strategist and mentor and so I love business I found it very easy to build my practice very easy to build my holistic business and uh, health center so I was helping them with both and they were going hand in hand. It was like we had to grow, we had to work on the business. We had to grow, we had to work on the next step of the business. And seeing that enough times, and that was who I was getting, I was getting high performers in New York, it really occurred to me that this is an arena that one I loved and two, I'm not sure which order one or two, was really needed. Because people were going, they were going and they were studying with people and they were working with coaches and all this kind of stuff. And it just wasn't getting them where they needed to go. They were getting frustrated. They were feeling like there was something wrong with them because they couldn't do what they were being told to do. And why do you think that was? Because I think that most people, when they're coaching somebody uh, or they have a system, it's a system that's worked for them. And so two parts. That One is that it's a system that works for them, not a system that works for the person in front of them. And they don't know how to individualize it. Their expertise is in what worked for them. And the other part is that they were not expert in how to help the person be who they needed to be to do that. So they would try and ram them. They would try and talk about accountability. They would try and do, just do it. They'd be all of these things. And all it did was make the person more shut down, lack confidence, get discouraged, even feel like giving up at different points because they felt like, this isn't working. I can't do it. I've studied with so many people and it's still not working. That was that place of, you've got to really see and understand who that person is. And if you've got a system, how you can adapt it so that it works for the person. At the same time, the person needs to be who they need to be to be at that next level of growth. Marshall Goldsmith, Famously said, you know what got you here won't get you there. It's way deeper than that. It's what gets you here now works against you going to the next place you need to go to create what you want. Say more about that. What what about that is happening that's actually working against you? So all of the things that get you there, and for high performers, they have a particular flavor to it. Right? They tend to be very driven. They have big vision. They want to make things happen, and they're really good at making things happen. In fact, they're better at taking trauma. We can talk about trauma a little bit further Mm -hmm. on, but they do one one of three things with trauma. They push it down, they put it in a neat little box, or they use it as fuel. Now, that has worked to get them to a certain level, but it only gets them so far without either stopping them from getting to that next level, or if it gets them there, it gets them there at a very high cost. And it's an interesting thing because all of those drivers to success and to get there, work in opposition to our drive for security, for safety, for wanting things to be OK. And then that very drive that they've pushed aside, gets it catches up with them, ultimately. They have a different flavor than other people. This isn't something that other people don't feel, but high performers tend to be more driven. They tend to have big visions to want things a certain way and to be really good at making them happen. Um, So they've got some extra little things that make it more challenging. So, for example, if you take the average person who gets to a certain point and they see their stock and they go to a coach, and the coach will help them. Now, what usually will help them happen is they'll get to a certain place, but the coach will hear them, see the issues, and help them to move. Okay, a little bit to a certain extent, maybe a big one for a little while, but there'll be some movement. What happens with a high performer that's very successful already, which is what we see in our CEOs and very savvy, is they will take the coach, even some of the best coaches around, and they will convince the coach that the way they see it and the limits that they see are really, really, really real. I always people talk about fault-like fear, where they talk about that being you know false evidence appearing real. I say flaw, false limitations. so they get the coach to go down the rabbit hole with them. And they both get convinced that this is kind of a real problem. And the interesting thing is it is a real problem. So whatever's there is always real or it doesn't work. But it's not the core problem. You know, I I
0: really can see what you're saying. And I've seen this both with, you know, me working with clients at, at earlier stages and seeing that at certain levels that I would buy what they were saying. And it was not the way it was, right? And I've also seen this too with clients that have been more legacy clients. Where newer clients were like, "There's no way we would buy into that, right?" But some of the older ones I've had to learn how to shift to be able to call them on their crap, basically, on their stories, and not in a way that's like that, but it's in a way that's helping them actually become who they need to be for that next level. It's one of the things that you said before that I really I love.
1: It's a real gift because because they're so good at they're so compelling, and they have such strong not only conviction. But their arguments are really pretty well made that it takes somebody who's very savvy to, one, help them to see it without strengthening their resistance. Because a lot of times people call somebody on something and it's really a call to just keep moving. And mm-hmm. what happens is that the resistance and the old patterns actually gets made stronger. So you need to call them in a way that they feel strong enough to be able to move into a new pattern, that they can start mm-hmm. to be that person who can do what it is they need to do when you're calling them out so a lot of times people are called out but then they're kind of left treading water they don't know what to do because they don't yet have the ability to do that next thing and even sometimes they can see it sometimes they can't see it so when they can't see it it's like telling somebody who's got 20 40 or 20 80 or whatever vision to like see something down the road and they look like i don't see anything other Mm. times they can see it but they don't know what to do to do with it because they've got factors that are interfering with right. the next step. So it can be either one of those. They can either not see it, and it's like telling somebody who literally doesn't have the vision to see it. They can't. They cannot see it. So they have to be helped while the pattern is pointed out. It needs to be in a way that doesn't mobilize their resistance and that enables them to both see it and become who they need to be to be able to mm. Which is a whole other thing. Yeah, to see it, to do it. There was this one quote that I was I
0: was reading while learning about some mountain biking skills. Actually, I was looking at, and the, and it goes like, you can't go faster than you can see ahead. So it's all about when you're mountain biking, you have to be able to see the trail ahead. And if you're looking down, you can't see the trail ahead. You're looking at your pedals, and that's what like earlier riders do, right? And that's, that's like one of the biggest barriers that I see from CEOs being able to be in where they're at right now versus where they want to be. So like, where do they, how do they tap into that vision? If like the current circumstances are
1: keeping them from seeing it? Well, that if it was easy, they'd all be doing it. And you wouldn't have as big, busy a business and neither would I, but it's really a challenge because you, what you've got to do is help them to shift and get that vision. And that's this interesting combination. That's why what I always talk about is integrative approaches. You've got to be able to be who you need to be, and you've got to be able to also understand what needs to happen in business. And it's true whether you're talking about relationships or whether you're talking about health. It's true in any arena, but it comes up you know, in the arena that we're talking about. And there are what I call hidden power drivers. These are the factors that are at work that help you to get where you want to go or stop you. They either create limitations or shatter them. And so what I talk about is that you have to help people to master those drivers. And the first step to that is really understanding what they are. You have to understand what the drivers are. And different drivers are going to be important for different people.
0: So I want to hear like how you actually determine the drivers. But before we, want to, before we do that, I want to reemphasize something you said that was really important. And that you said that you have to shift to get that vision. And you said that so quickly that I think that it could be easy to miss. But here's the thing is, is that um, shifting is so critical because it doesn't matter what next step, what next process. I mean, I'm a process person and it took me a number of years to really get that, like no amount of shoving it down somebody's throat, that they're going to get it until they shift who they're being, like until they can be who they need to be in order to take those actions, to be free to take those actions. So you were talking about these hidden power drivers so, and that they're individual for each person.
1: They're kind of there in everybody, but they have different levels of importance and how active they are and which ones you need to approach the most for different people. But I do think what you said is really key, and I'm so used to working with it, that I might have kind of go, oh, yeah, you've got to shift. You've got to get that vision and you've got to become who you need to be. And that is a process. And the drivers or would help you with that process. You need to be, you have to learn to shift your state because your state determines everything. Okay, your state determines what you create and what you don't. It's the ability to see what you've never seen before, to do what you've never done before and create what you've never created before. And while you can make a little shift, and I actually teach people how to shift on the spot. I can teach people how to make a shift in seconds. But to get that underlying who we are, to be different in an ongoing way that's a different gift and one of the things that that you said that speaks to a lot of what happened is that people really told you know make that shift be it do it you know i'm calling you on your stuff but if you don't have another way to be to see to do uh well, you've got the do but you can't do it then you actually double down it's like what you do in a panic like what do you do if you're racing down the hill and nobody's taught you about how to move into a turn or what to do in a skid. Your natural reaction is to clutch. Right. To hold on tighter. So you need to actually be taught what you need to do, and then you need to practice. it. Mm-hmm. And so it's simple but not easy. If I can say that, It's a, you know, that's what you have to do. But determining the path for you, determining the, the way to practice. Because if you practice doing it the wrong way, you reinforce the wrong way. Right. I
0: love what you just said about doubling down because that's one of the things that that we've seen is that um, when you're trying to scale a business that you're, you're going down this path and it's not working. So you're saying there are clench ups so are like, we got to do more of what we know already works. So it's reinforcing this pattern, of working harder, more hours of um, just, you know, I can't get my team to be doing this. So I've just got to do more of this. And it's, it's, this energy is actually, you think you're growing your company you think you're scaling, but you're not. You're actually driving your company to the ground because you're reinforcing this pattern that is keeping you stuck at your past level.
1: And the, you know, one of the things I said before that I want to emphasize here is there are two different possibilities. One is that you can't see another way. Mm-hmm. Okay, you just can't see it. You don't have that vision yet. You can't see it. And the other is that you see it, but your power drivers keep you from doing it. The way you're wired up, the way that, the way you're responding to trauma and trauma can be just like circumstance, it doesn't have to be this big, horrible thing that happened, but it's something that impacted you in a way that can shut you down unless you know how to use it. It's the way you work with resistance, it's the way we disconnect. So, there's two aspects that are really important one is the ability to see something different, and the other is the ability, once you see it, to be able to actually do it. Because a lot of times people will say to me, I know what I have to do, I've taken so many classes, I know that I can't scale without doing A, B, and C. And I just can't do it because they don't have that trust that they they can't do it. They don't have the trust yet. So it's both aspects. They have to be who they need to be. They need to work with somebody who can help them see. It's like going in that skid. It doesn't usually occur to you going into a skid really fast, and it's really scary what you need to do unless you've been taught. So you need to be like you who's that got that expertise and I have the systems, I've been there and I how to help you do it. And then it's becoming who you need to be, to be able to, even if they trust you on one level, it's a deeper level of trusting themselves. Absolutely. And you've actually
0: brought up something that is actually a big obstacle in a sales conversation too, because it's, it's not enough just for them to trust you and to trust your system. They have to trust that you're, that they have what's in it for them to be able to take action on your system. And in some cases, that's something you can help them with. And in some cases, it's not. They really need to be working with someone like you, Dr. K, who could actually give them access to be able to take action on those things.
1: And what makes it harder is that there are so many people without a deep understanding that have already promised that their thing was going to work for them. So they've probably done a bunch of things before they get to you or get to me. And so it sounded really good before. It sounds really good now. That making a difference, people usually talk about making a difference in terms of what they're offering the person, right? But they're not speaking to that other part of where the link is between what I've got and what it is that's going to help you to be able to do it. So one of my favorite things that people say to me ever, right, my favorite thing is you get me in a way that nobody else does. And I know either I've helped them or... I knew you could help me or I know that you can help me, but it's because they really, they trust me and they trust you. You're very, you know, we're both very compelling and professional and we've got a track record. But a lot of people have some kind of a record or claim a record. It's easy, you know, it's not so easy because a lot of people give testimonials the first week out and it's worked for a week, but let's look six months sometimes six weeks down the road. And if they were to go back for testimonial, it wouldn't be so great. They're still in that honeymoon stage, right? So they've heard it before from somebody they believed before. They've been burned. Maybe they have a spouse who's now sitting saying to them or a good friend, wait a second, you've done this six times before. We've invested our money six times before. What's What should make any of us think that this time won't be just pouring more money Tom, right down the drain and more frustration you know
0: and you're spot on with this and i think that there's a couple things to that so first of all is that sometimes those quote mistakes that they made before is actually building them up to who they need to be for this next level and this is this is their breakthrough and i've experienced that myself with like wasted investments and then three years later i look back and realize there was this one key little aspect that is added you know millions of dollars to the company like i can look at that right so there's that aspect of it and then there's the other aspect of it is that that some of these people that are peddling these solutions you know as well meaning as they are they don't know who it's going to work for and under what circumstances
1: they do and don't care but most people are good hearted when they go in i agree with that they blame the victim and they don't blame the victim because they're bad people they blame the victim because it worked for them it worked for john it worked for susan And so if it didn't work for Danny, it must be Danny's fault. Here's the thing is, is part of it is
0: that as service providers, we need to take responsibility for that. And if someone's not getting results, the responsibility is on you because you took them on as a client. Part of that is understanding too, is that what are the success requirements for you to be able to generate the result? What are the success requirements for them? And then in the sales conversation, also understanding, like, does this person actually have access to take these actions? And if they don't,
1: then don't work with them. These are great points. I I was just having this conversation with a sales trainer the other day and everybody is 100% responsible. So we taking on a client are 100% responsible. The client is 100% responsible for their part. They're not responsible for our part and we're not responsible for their part. So I think that's really key. And you made a great distinction. And the distinction is that a lot of things that look wasted aren't. And part of that, is they really aren't, and part of that is how we choose to hold it. So for me, I have a little motto that anything that looks like an error or a waste of money or a mistake, I want to make more money or learn more out of it than it costs me, okay? It's just because that's how I'm, I'm wired up, and that's how yeah. I've decided, right? If it costs me a lot of money, how am I going to make that much and more, and what am I going to learn from it? So I think there's a number of parts that one is that reframe. So let's look at what you actually did get here. Let's look at what that is. And then I think the other part, for example, what what you're starting to go into now is that not every client is the right person for you or me. Somebody who's not at a certain point isn't right for you. Somebody who's not at a certain point is not the client that I'm working with at this point. So they may need somebody to get them ready to get ready or to get them ready to get ready to get ready. And so that's (laughs) not a waste. That becomes who they're the right client for at this point. But it's got to be aligned, right? It's got to be, this is your goal. So the person can't promise to get them from zero to 10 million in six months. That would be absurd. But if they promise to get them ready for what that next step is, it mm-hmm. could be a lot more legitimate. But people think they have to make these big promises. And it, it sets people up for failure instead of setting them up for what that realistic step is.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, and I'm all about making big promises but I'm about making big promises for a very specific person and and a very specific circumstance. And like you said, it's not from like one to 10 million. It is from, well, you are at 250,000 right here and we're going to be able to get you to a million, or we're going to be able to get you from 1 million to 3 million, or we're going to be able to get you from 3 million to five or to 10. Like you being really clear on where that sweet spot is because each one of those has similar type of challenges, right?
1: And it's also what you said about who? So for example, for me, um, I was working consulting jobs, and I, w- I quit cold turkey. I always tell people what I did is not something I would recommend for most people. okay? I'm not a small step person. If it's not huge growth, huge step, it bores <laughs> me. I didn't have children at the time. I didn't have a husband at the time. It was just me that was going to sink or swim. I had a lot of confidence because of the things I'd done in the past, so I had a proven track record. I had no other obligations. And I was a little bit, that was who I was. I knew that if I set my mind to it, um, I got inspired by something big. But do people come to me and I say, quit and go cold turkey? You have a family to feed? You've got, you know, you don't have a proven track record that you've done it in three other businesses so far? No. So I think what you said is really important. It's not only how big the goal is, it's who they are. It's what phase of life. It's what are they ready to do. At this point and it's taking all of those things together so that you can come up with that you know what makes sense are they the right client and what's the right goal for them
0: right no and I love that like are they the right client and do they have the right goal and so for us like we're only taking on clients that want to build million-dollar hands-off CEO businesses Mm -hmm. and if they wanted to just be able to add a couple hundred thousand dollars to their business not the right fit not the right fit there's a lot of other people that can help them just get to that next level You know, you don't have, they don't have the mindset for the level of transformation. And I think that that is actually one of the most critical things when you're actually selecting clients is to make sure that their goals are aligned with, and they have a big enough why to be able to overcome some of these things that you're bringing up. Because it takes practice. It takes seriously becoming someone different, which is, which is scary, right?
1: It is. Well, it's not only is it scary, it's scary and it's against our very wiring. Right, we're wired up for safety, we're wired up for security, and even though entrepreneurs tend to have a, a higher, they they're, they do better at risk than other people, but there's still even for them a point at which it doesn't work. So what you said is very key about keeping their eye on the goal, you know, on that like their why, and it's more than that, but that's really important. So you know, one of the things that happens is when they get stuck, what is it that they do, right? And can we talk about that a little bit? Yes, absolutely. Let's go there. Okay. So one of the things people say to me is like, you know, what's your advice for CEOs who want to be more hands-off and they're struggling with it? So the people who really, really want to, because some people don't really want to, but they've been taught that they should, it's not, you know, whatever, but it's yeah. not really right. Not a big scaled up business is right for everybody. Okay. That's sure. another factor. It's not necessarily the next step for everybody. But for me, there's three points. One is to focus on your goal. And I, I have a litmus test question that I have people ask for everything in their life, OK? And before you decide about a thought that you're going to continue to nurture, a feeling that you're going to hang on to, action plan, you always ask this question and I get throughout the day. Does this bring me closer or further to who I am, who I want to be, and what I want to accomplish? So you said focus on the why. It's taking that and getting a little bit more specific. Is this action? Is this goal? Is this thought process? Is this way of, like, doing my business? Is it going to bring me closer to who I need to be to do that? And is it going to bring me closer to my goal? And then it's really clear. If it doesn't, you don't do it. You have to figure out what to do instead. Okay? But that's the first thing. Before I go into the second one, any questions about that? Well, all I was going to say is that that is actually
0: the key to productivity. It's actually looking what's focused, what's aligned with what you want to
1: create. Is it aligned? Yes, do it. If not, eliminate it. And it becomes a habit for everything. Okay, it's mm-hmm. a habit for everything. It's a great question. Um, you know, it's like in a relationship you have a teenager and you want to say something and you're really frustrated and you think, I'm going to say that, and you ask yourself the question. I do this with families. I mean, a lot of ways. I think that the business work I do is family therapy and business, right? Right. <laughs> it's true. Um, and luckily, I love family therapy, but it's challenging. So one of the things I teach parents to to think about is is saying this going to bring me closer to my goal of what I want for my teenager. I teach teenagers to say and think, is this going to help me get my parents to do what I want? Is this going to bring Closer to them getting me a car or giving me the keys or, you know, letting me, you know, stay out later or whatever it is. It's like, so this is a question in everything, health, relationships. Is this going to make me happier or is it going to make me not so happy? So that's a litmus test question that becomes just something that runs through as a habit. Next thing is who do I need to be to do that? So generally, if we were already that person, we wouldn't be even having a question around it. It would just be aligned and clear and simple. So it's impossible unless, it's the way Dr. Alan Bernard likes to put it, I like to say, who do I have to be? What has to happen for that to happen? So the next thing is the who do I have to be? And I have a whole process that I work with to help people become who they need to be to do that. Because it's not just this magic. Of you do that, you hire an accountability coach, done. Okay, there's shifts that have to happen. And there's a process for that. And it's very doable. But it's not doable by that magic of like, you just decide and then you hire an accountability coach. Done.
0: Sure. It's because it's not it's not just about the hard old way is that well? I just need to effort and just work harder and harder and harder. That's become that's being the same person that's getting the same results. You can't get different results unless you're being someone different.
1: And in fact, that's one of the things, when I talk to CEOs, when I look at my, my own self and my history, doing things by willpower is one of the most common things that people who are successful pride themselves on. I mean, it's interesting because a lot of things that work as uh, to get you to a certain point, like taking you know, hard things and using them as fuel, taking hard things and pushing them down or compartmentalizing them, one of the things I see is that high performers, peak performers, use them almost like a badge of honor. Yes. I used to do that, right? It's like a badge of honor. I was able to, despite that, this is what I accomplished. I pushed it away. I didn't deal with it. I used it as fuel, which is all good if you do another step. And the next step is that you have to learn to integrate, to release the charge and to integrate. And one really simple thing that's a difference, if you feel, think about willpower. And I hope everybody listening will do this along with us, and I'd love to invite you to just do this. If you think about willpower, what happens in your body? Because I just, when I even say it, I feel it. When you think willpower, what happens in your body? Tense. I, I feel tense. Right? You're tense. You contract. Even saying it, even when I say, like, do this, my hands get closer. My shoulders come in. I don't breathe so much. I can even feel like a tightening in my stomach when you're saying that. Like, exactly. willpower, yeah. It's a little different. Now try this. Think about willingness. Just being willing. Yeah, it feels
0: free. It feels light.
1: Right, and if you talk to entrepreneurs, why do they become entrepreneurs? One of the big reasons is they want freedom, and then they do things in a way that takes away that freedom. Not because they're bad or they're stupid or they because they're well smart a lot of times, a lot of times. But what's happened is that they've been taught something, and they got a result doing it. So you get a result doing it, and this is what I call the you know the, the paradox, the resistance paradox of high performers. It's like what. Got them to a certain point, now works them against them. It got them to a very high level, but now it holds them back from achieving even more. And willpower is one of the things that most high performers will tell you they used along the way. At a certain point, it either stops getting them to that big, right? You can't expand. You can't expand from willpower. You can expand to a point, but it also burns you out. It kills your adrenals. It hurts your relationships. It makes you short tempered. You're not getting oxygen, so you get really kind of edgy. There's a whole lot of things that backfire. So mm-hmm. it's learning how to navigate that that's huge. So those are the two, first two things, right? One is asking that litmus test question. Second is being who you need to be. And then there's a third one that I like in terms of CEOs particularly and wanting to scale. And that's one of the things that you know, I've thought a lot about because I love how you talk about like your program being for the hands-off CEO. And yet getting to that hands-off posture can be a challenge because when I started thinking about a reaction that I wasn't aware of. So, yes, hands-off CEO. I was helping people do it. I was teaching people. I was working on that within myself, right? But I started to think about a deeper level. And when you say hands-off, you tend to go like this, right? Right. And it comes from, I know how we mean it, right? But it comes from something that we hear very early in childhood. Hands-off. Don't touch. Leave it which is very aligned with letting go. Let go of that. But letting go is difficult. Someone says let go of grief, let go of fear, and you're like, huh, what? You know, that doesn't work. And so hands off works if you can reframe it just the way you did. One is you need those systems like you have so you can Mm -hmm. But instead of hands off, which makes me go like this, right, almost like hands off. Right, right.
0: well, and for those listening and not viewing the, the, the video, Dr. K is actually putting her hands up, like almost like an arrest, like, like you're doing something wrong, like.
1: Exactly. And that's what most of us have heard it the first time. Like our parents say, leave that, hands off, don't touch." right? That's what we hear. It's hot. It's hot. You're going to get burned. It goes right into our security. And it's actually a freeze motion because there are different ways that we can respond to things that are scary, new, et cetera. One is to flee, right? Fight or flight. We can fight. But off, hands-off, tends to put us in a freeze mode. Now, that's the opposite of what a CEO needs to do. They need to leave their hands off where it's not supposed to be, but they need to do a lot of other things.
0: Put their hands-on in certain areas. Right. So hands-on in developing their people. Hands-on developing out key processes with their team to, like, generate leads and to train salespeople, like, at at different
1: stages. But you can't just let go of all that. Yeah, and so... It's interesting because, you know, for those who are not seeing us, now you've got your hands in motion. They're kind of like, you do this, and you're showing with your hand, and you do this. Yes. Yeah. So, right? We're dancing a little bit. So what it needs to be is to actually focus on what your hands are on, which is what you do. And I even think that it's useful to put your hands consciously in a posture that works for you. I'm very big on people talk about change your mindset, change your thoughts. And for me, mindset is an outgrowth. You don't just decide to change your mindset to have positive thinking. You've got this process. And a lot of our tough spots where we get frozen, where we get stuck, where we get stressed is in our body. So that hands up or that place where we go to willpower, these are kind of frozen spaces. Or willpower is a push. It's not really a frozen. It's a push, but it's a push through when we're in a body posture that's very contracted. So if you can take your hands... And actually put them, like, like out, like putting your hands out to somebody. So yeah. you're offering them, like, do this. Like, I'm here. Go with this. I'm helping you. Or even above, like, I'm blessing you with it, mm-hmm. right? I'm kind of blessing you. Different for different people. There might be different. Like, for me, one of the things I do with my hands a lot is as if I'm holding a ball, right? Because I'm holding the space. So sometimes I hold my hands, like, as if they're facing up. Sometimes I hold them like I'm literally holding the space for somebody to move into something they've never done before. And I may, maybe have never done it before. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's up. But I don't want it in that don't touch where I pull back because you don't mm-hmm. want to pull back. You want to change where your attention is. So hands off what you're doing that is not going to scale you. Hands on to what it is that you need to be doing and you really do need to be a different who you need to be to do that. For most CEOs, it's what they want. So where you said a few minutes ago, focus on your purpose, it's very much what they want. So it's not out of alignment with what they want, but it's out of practice and line with who they've been in the past. It actually have been steps that may have led right here, right here, just like those mistakes, but not even mistakes. It's like a path, a blueprint. But it's not well, such a clear map. It's like, but it is a, it is a pathway. And You get to a certain point, and then what's that next step on that pathway so that I can be hands-off where I need to be hands-off, hands-on where I need to be hands-on, and help other people to do the same. I need to help them to be hands-on where they need to be hands-on, hands-off where they need to be hands-off, and everybody be very present and vital and supporting so that we're the most we can be, they're the most they can be, and we're, we're in co-creation.
0: I absolutely love everything you just said. And I'm going to unpack some of this. Um, and this is really the essence of hands-off leadership. It's not just being about hands-off CEO builds hands-off leaders. That's the whole essence of it. Leaders who build other leaders. And what that looks like is being intentional about the things, like you're saying, that you want to be hands-on with and the things that you're going to deliberately be hands-off with and that you're going to need to be patient and be developing these leaders who could take on, and leaders at every single level. Your virtual assistant should be a leader. Don't hire anyone in your company who cannot be a leader, if at least themselves.
1: Exactly, and one of the things I was thinking about is that often we're most comfortable with people like us, and yet that gets us into trouble because we need people who have complementary skills, not the same skills. So because we know certain things and feel good about certain things and trust certain characteristics, but they're not necessarily the best. No, they're not the best in other positions. In fact, they can be very much the opposite. So it's knowing where it is that you need to hire people. And then it's helping them to do that same thing, to really move into what their position is, what they're good at, where they lead. And I love what you said about leadership. And it's something we struggle with. From the earliest times of you know your mom, I'm a mom, but it happens in life. It happens in hiring people. It happens as parenting, right? You watch your kid do something. You watch them get up and try and walk, and part of you wants to like reach out to to be that you know okay, that braced, and yet we have to let people find their own legs, right? That's that expression. They have to find their sea legs. They have to find their own legs, and so that is really a gift to be able to stay in our space with faith in their space and discernment because we're going to find that sometimes we've hired somebody often we hire somebody and it's not right. So being able to go back and do what we need to do, maybe move them into another position. Maybe they need not to work there anymore. And we need to help guide them to where is a better fit. But it's all leadership.
0: And it's coming back to, you know, that first question that you, you had asked that litmus test of say that, say, say that question again, you could so, use to evaluate so if this person person. Views,
1: whether it's a thought, a feeling, an action, holding on to a belief, does this bring me closer or further to who I want to be and what I want to accomplish?
0: So does this bring me closer or further to who I want to be and what I want to accomplish? And what I want to accomplish.
1: And that will give you the answer. Is this going to help me be the kind of leader I want to be? It may get a short-term result but maybe not in the way of leadership. You may force an employee to do something in a certain way, but you're not going to feel good about yourself. They're not going to feel good about you. Or you may do something that feels really nice and, you know, cushy, but it's not going to help them or your company. So it's really both of those parts. It's not just is it going to get me where I want to go, but is it going to get me the way where I want to go being the kind of person that I want to be? Those two are really critical, and it's different for different people. Not everybody has my personality or your personality. So it has to be in alignment with who you're growing. And I think we're always growing and always evolving because there's no standing still. There's no treading water. We're growing or we're dying. Our company is growing or it's on the way to the other side. It's on its way down.
0: I, I really love the distinction you, you made because does this is take me where I want to go being the person I want to be? And that's one of the biggest trade-offs that people think that they need to make in order to scale their company. Well, I'm going to have to be a jerk to be able to be this, this kind of boss that is, thought, is is being rude to everybody to create these kind of results because that's what it's taken in the past for them to generate those kinds of results. They don't want to be that.
1: And it, exactly. And that sets them up to self-sabotage because, and I don't believe in self-sabotage in the way people usually think about it. To me, self-sabotage is a misguided attempt to get something you want to have happen. You're not really trying to mess yourself up. You've got a higher goal for yourself, like one that's more self-preserving or preserving relationship or something important to you. So you do something that looks like, oh, my God, why did I do that? Or why did he or she do that? They're really sabotaging themselves. And it's a very common thing people are really focused on when they should be focused on what's the thing I want to accomplish that I don't know the best way to do for who I am. And most people aren't teaching them because, again, they don't have that peace they don't look and say, okay, John, how do I need to help you do this in a way that's aligned with you? They just say, this is the goal. This is what you have to do. They don't say, if you don't do this, you're going to mess it up and you're going to mess it up because not being a jerk may be more important to you than scaling your business. And I can't say that's wrong. It's not. Here's the thing is it's not, it it is
0: much more important for you to be the person that it feels aligned with your core.
1: It's not worth it to have to become. Yeah, and it doesn't sustain. It's not sustaining. No. It's going to break down. And one of the things that's interesting about that is that a lot of times you don't see that it's broken down. So we talk about like heart attacks and stress, but we don't talk about other illnesses. We don't talk about people just dying young. We don't talk, you know, young, not like 40, but like a little bit earlier. We don't talk about the factors that we don't see that contribute to somebody, either just shutting down, not living fully, or really it affecting your life in a very deep way, and it doesn't get connected. So we don't say, that happened because. We just say, wow, they were in the height of their career, and then they quit, I don't understand why, or their marriage went, or something, because they really were just saying, unconsciously. So for me, the goal is to get really conscious about as much as you can. And I actually teach people to get like a little alarm bell that goes off, so when you're out of alignment, before you're out of alignment. Not like when you're in the thick of it and you've hired that person and it's you know six months in or six years in and you feel like, oh my god, this has just put me on the wrong course. But you start to pay attention to the feelings in your body, so that you get them really, really early. You learn to discern because people say always follow your intuition. Yes and no. You've got to know when your intuition is telling you the truth and when fear is speaking. So there's some gifts to that, really. Oh,
0: I I absolutely love what you're talking about here right now, because that's leaders have such an inability to be decisive because they can't tell the difference between feedback and truly their intuition and their body going haywire
1: and saying, I'm terrified. Like, how do you tell the difference? And this is huge. And it's one of the things that people, they they don't know how to teach it because they don't know how to do it. And we say things, and I've done it too, where we say, anytime I don't follow my intuition, I get in trouble. However, I have spent decades as a therapist and as a mentor and as a human studying when it's my intuition speaking, when it's my fear. When I'm being triggered by something that reminds me of something that I'm not even conscious of. So one of the things that's very important is to learn discernment, to really learn to pay attention to one that we're feeling, and then to learn to unpack it and kind of know, where do I tend to get a little bit caught up? You know, where does my judgment tend to get a little bit off? Maybe it's certain kinds of fears. Maybe I'm overly afraid of certain things because A, B, and C in my history. So we get to learn those things, and in those situations, It's not just an alarm, but a little flag with the alarm. that says, okay, you know this one is sensitive for you. Let's take another look. But a lot of that is teaching people to be centered, to be present. And this is where the drivers come in, because the drivers have a lot to do with our history. They have to do with how we're wired up. They have to do with our history, what's happened to us, how we've responded to it, how we've connected or disconnected around it, how we respond to resistance. So there's a whole lot of factors that we, we can learn. And I don't want it to sound overwhelming because actually it makes life so much easier and so much clearer, but it's like something new. It's right. like something we teach, you know, generally to like our children or in leadership. So learning to do it and have it become a habit. And this is why people need a guide. People need a guide that helps them get to that next step, that knows how to do it. And they need a guide to help them become who they need to be to be the person who can do it. Because it's like saying to somebody, there are cultures, for example, that only see certain colors, right? They just don't see the range of colors that we see. They just don't. And so to tell them, don't you see that color? And they don't see it. You need a guide that sees those other colors to help them be able to discern them and to see what they couldn't see before. I
0: I love that. That's such a great analogy. And it also... Is such an important point that when you are evaluating working with a mentor, making sure that you can feel that they get you and that they also understand the underlining issue, why it might not work for you, and how they're going to help you overcome that. Because if they can't help you do that, then you need to either look elsewhere or get additional support to supplement what you're doing.
1: Exactly. And again, that's another place to pay attention to your gut, but also to be discerning. Are you just Put off because of something about them, or because you really are afraid to go deep, or are you really getting a message that they don't know something that they're not getting? And mm. it's very hard. There are certain pieces you can do on your own. There are other pieces that, especially when you have a big goal, I still get coaches and mentors. You know, I've been doing it for decades. When I'm going into a new arena, I will reach out to somebody, and then to really be looking and feeling. And you want somebody, one of the things that's a really important thing to look at is to get that feeling from somebody that they're really not only willing to let you go if it's not right, they want to let you go if it's not right.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Right. You know, really interesting because I don't want somebody, if they're not the right person, I know there's certain things I'm really good at. There's certain things that, one of the things that I see a lot in CEOs is we tend to be impatient. It's one of the things, I'm writing a book and I'm interviewing uh, 100 top achieving CEOs and entrepreneurs and professionals, and when I ask them about characteristics that have made growth difficult, one of the things that comes up a lot is my impatience. So there are certain people that I will interview to take on as a client, and I will get that they need a type of patience that... I'm not the best at it. I'm not really interested in developing that. There's a lot of things I have amazing patients at. And then there are other things that just, no, I don't. So I want people to really be clear that they're knowing that I'm not taking it if it's not right, if it's out of my skill set. Like there are things you know how to do. I am not a systems person. I can help people become who they need to be. I can help them embody their eminence, their marketing, their authority positioning. I can help them with, camp, with, all, with, not Facebook, like ads, but a lot of marketing campaigns. But I can't do what you can do. My brain just doesn't work like that. I can't put their systems in place. So if somebody comes to me and they need to be who they need to be, I will say, okay, but you got to also work with so-and-so because I can't get that other piece for you. Or just say, you know what, I think you need to work with them first or I just think you need to work with them. So you need somebody who's got that comfort and they're not even if they are building and need money, they're not coming from that place. They're coming from being that trusted right advisor that's gonna send you to the person who's best for you.
0: Well and you know what one of the things that I have found and is that there's there's a certain posture that you're taking when you elevate to that. And when you you're really elevating to the point where you are attracting in your ideal clients because you are now at their resonance, this vibration that's attracting them in. Now if you are taking on whoever comes to your door, you are actually detracting the people that you most want to work with. And there's this vibration that you're putting out that it's clear without you even saying it that they have to apply to work with you.
1: And so that is really true. And the more you get there, the clearer that is. But for the person who's looking for a coach or mentor, they're gonna find people who can talk a very good show yeah. but are not in the place that you're talking about. Again, it's not because they're bad people. Sometimes they're all about the money, but a lot of times they're really excited about what they've done for themselves and a bunch of other people, but they don't have the discernment about who they're best for and who they're not best for. And they're not right. being taught to make that discernment and to send the others on, bless them and send them on. You're going to get referrals from other people. I mean, it's just going to work. It's just going to work. It's real leadership. I'm
0: glad that you're pointing it out. And that's actually, that discernment is something that we teach our clients within our, our own marketing systems. And, you know, we're, we're helping our clients being able to elevate $50,000, $100,000 offers, is aligned with what they're building. But in order to do that, you really have to have that discernment on who is right and who is not right. And putting in that, we call it hazardous client checklist. And really, like you had pointed out around the impatience thing. There's something, some people that it's a great fit for and some people it's not. And really being clear on that. I wanted to, before we end the interview, you had talk, talked a little bit about trauma and I'm wondering if, you know, when, when we had talked about the, like getting and feeling that feeling in your, in your body, uh, between like a feeling of it's, it's telling if things are on, things are going in the right way or things are not going in the right way doubt is, is part of that fear. Part of that trigger. Is that what you were talking about with trauma?
1: Um, uh, it's part of it. Okay. So the okay. things we get in our body can be a number of different things. They can come from the way we're wired up. Some of us are wired up, you know, excitement and fear can feel like physically can feel the same. What's the difference? Well, you have to learn to discern what is happening. Like I tell people that if you go to your front door, this is one of my favorite examples. You go to your front door and you get fear and you don't just barge through your front door. You pay attention you see are there any footprints is there any light difference is there anything disturbed you want to do that you can do that kind of in a minute to say oh am i just having something that you know am i kind of excited that i've got company coming tomorrow i'm just in a general like you know elevated state or is there something i actually picked up something i learned within me because i learned that when i was very excited about big things happening i would have a feeling in my body that felt like something terrible was going to happen and I had to learn to discern. So it was very subtle. And part of it came from asking myself questions. So feeling the feeling and asking questions. So it's a little bit more than we can go into right now. But to answer you know, what you asked about trauma, we tend to have these reactions based on how we're wired up and things that have happened in our life and the way we respond. And it tends to be a history. And a lot of people will say, well, I didn't have anything big and traumatic happen. I wasn't assaulted. I had a good childhood. But for all of us, we have things that happen that create upset in us. And different people feel upset in a different way. People respond to upset more or less cautiously. Some people just kind of say, oh, yeah, upset. And other people, I get really, really cautious. So that's where it goes to your wire. That's why I can't just give you a set answer. Um, Other people, it's the way they've responded to things that happened that got them in more trouble. What got them out of trouble? So we all have trauma and life experiences that are challenging. And a lot of times we say, well, okay, I get that. But we're not sure what to do with it, right? We're not sure what to do with it. And so to me, the first place is just coming from a place of not judging it, but getting to know yourself and learning to get really centered. Because sometimes unless you you know, start, if it's a big thing, you need to go and get some help. But Sometimes just noticing it and being kind to yourself and not judging it and learning how to get very centered. Work with your breath. And there's a lot of things that you can do that are pretty simple that will help you to shift. Just an acceptance. It's just a sense of, okay, I'm not going to get all like, oh, this is this big, horrible thing that is ruining my life or that's driving me into be and do things that I don't do. I teach everybody to really cultivate curiosity. And so Mm -hmm. if you can have acceptance for the feeling, if you can pay attention to the feeling, even know before it's coming, because it's easier to really make shifts before. And then to cultivate this curiosity, being in your body, paying attention to what you're feeling, and then getting very curious about why something's happening. What does it mean? Why am I doing it? without going down like, I'm going to be really crazy with questions, but just being open. Again, it's like that willingness. Curiosity. You mentioned vibration. Curiosity is a vibration. And it's a vibration that's very powerful and helps move us along the path we want to do. So taking those traumatic things, those difficult things, even if they seem little, and getting curious about how they live in us and how they relate to what our goal is, even that is going to move us. So...
0: What I'm hearing here, I mean, I love what you're saying about, you know, sitting with it, getting curious, not judging it, being kind to ourselves, because this awareness is actually a very key attribute that I have noticed with really powerful leaders. And, I, and I'm saying powerful leaders from a place of that they're aligned with their values, that they're creating a business, they're moving people, and the people are really excited to be part of what they're building. And they have stopped. They they've been able to get away from being reactive by sitting there and, and feeling the triggers when they're feeling it coming up, removing themselves from the situation if needed be. So that instead of reacting to people, like you know, sometimes events can happen and an earlier version of ourselves might have exploded, right? And might have gone off, right? But as a leader, we have to cultivate that, or we get to, we really get to cultivate just sitting in there being kind to ourselves. And instead of being like pushing away, I think you used the terms um, push down box and using it as a fuel.
1: Uh, Push down compartmentalizing, using it as a fuel.
0: Right. Right. So instead of, you know, putting it into a compartment and saying, you know what, like that's my personal life. I'm not going to deal with that here because this is business, not personal when, you know, you and I both know this is all connected. Right. And um, that thing that happened to you when you were five years old is showing up right here, whether you like it or not. So getting curious about it and actually feeling it not like I have to push this away or you know what like this is not a good thought for me to be thinking right now like that resistance I mean have you found that that, that doesn't that just perpetuate it so to
1: me it's the gold is in how we work with resistance that's the goal most people teach you to push resistance down plow through it to me you want to learn to work with it harness it navigate it because the gold is in the resistance and one of the things that's true is your whole key to scaling your business is wrapped around who you are and your ability to grow into that person who's scaling your business. And so it's, it, we, we do something really funny. It's like the good things about us, we attribute those are the reasons I'm successful. The bad things, in quotes, because I don't like to think good, bad. I like to think closer or further, right? But the things that we call bad, we say, oh, those kept me. No, if you use them a certain way, they create limits and keep you from where you get want to go. But if you know how to work with them, they're going to be the things that catapult, catapult you more than anything. So resistance to me isn't bad. Even when it's a lot, they may not be my, be my client. And they may not be ready to go to a certain point, maybe ever. Or they need to work with someone else. Or maybe this is just where they're going to go in their life if they're at a stage to work with the resistance, to work with the hard stuff, to work with the impatience, for example. And I've used impatience a lot um, in helping other people and helping myself. I'm not nearly as impatient as I used to be, but I recognize it when I start to feel it. Okay, I recognize Mm -hmm. it right away. And then I have the choice. How am I going to use this? Why is this coming up? Why is this? One of the things I was just saying to someone who does sales training is when those feelings come up, I want to know what it means to me and why it's being triggered in them. Mm. Both sides of that. Why is this happening in me right now? And why is it happening in them? And when you have that kind of, again, the curiosity and that awareness, it leads to incredible, limitless, limitless possibilities. Mm. You start to come from that. So it's interesting. It's like, wow, when I see that, somebody's getting triggered or I'm getting triggered, I really go, I call it the jig Okay, the cheek is up once we know that we're responsible for everything that's going on but not the other person's reaction but ours but we're still 100 percent responsible in the game and everything changes if we want to be impatient we're 100 responsible if we want to be angry we're 100 responsible however right. you can only be angry for so long when you know that you're just deciding it but the cool thing is a lot of times people are angry or they go to these places because they think it's going to get them the result. And so they're holding on to this emotion, quote unquote, negative, but I'm going to say difficult emotion in terms of getting us closer. They're doing it for that good reason again. They don't know a better way to do it. Right. Think if I'm not angry, I'm not going to fire this person that really needs to be fired because it's the wrong position for them and for my company. But you don't have to do that from anger. But a lot of people don't know how to do it when they're not angry or in grief something else well
0: and that's a really great point coming back to the being like who, you, who do you want to be as you're accomplishing this and i bet you nobody comes out saying you know what i want to create a multi-million dollar company but i want to be angry at the same time
1: no one says that right no one says that but they do it and be it and the reason they do it and be it is they don't know another way it's work to a point right and they want the result and the bigger result and nobody has yet talked, them. even if they're really successful, they are the are way to get even more success and more well-being, better health relationships at the same time. So, you know, what's the thing I want
0: to point out here? Because, you know, the things that you're talking about around this the, the self-awareness, sitting, not judging, being able to um, get curious about it, and, and using that as a way to discern, using your body as a way to actually discern, And this is something that I've done a lot of work around myself and I have a whole lot more work to do continually doing, but it's one of the things that I've seen has actually allowed me to become more and more successful. It's been the key piece. And one of the things that I think a lot of people resist, they resist this work. They resist resist this work to the point of not even thinking that it's, it's important to the point where like, ah, oh, that's weird. I don't even know what you're like. Like, I don't need to do that. They're so blind to it. They don't even know it's there. I mean, those are the people we're not talking to here because they're not even, they don't even get it. But I think that there are some other people who like see the value, but they're afraid to go down that path. They're afraid that it's, it's going to be difficult and scary. And that it's going to open up a Pandora's box that they just, and frankly, more than they can deal with. What would you say to them?
1: Well, I say that most people don't articulate it as well as you articulate it. So they're reacting from that, but they're not knowing what it is because the truth is that it's a death of who they've been yes, to be reborn and who they need to be to create the next thing they want. And that's scary. And those of us that are pushers and doers and growers, we can go like, you know, they're just not ready. They're not seeing it. They're not willing. So I want to bestow kindness on them, not excuses not giving them easy way out. But I want to really look at it from the perspective that sometimes people don't really see what's involved. And the fear is unconscious. What they're doing is they're, they're holding on. Remember, we're wired for survival and security. So they're doing, they're holding on to an identity. And the more successful you get, the tricky thing is the more successful you are, the more risk you have to lose what you've got. And the more skilled you are at holding on. So someone who's not so successful, they don't have so much to lose to take a risk, to learn something new, to become somebody else. But somebody that's gotten really far, they've got patterns that are pretty ingrained. Right. They need that real, they need to get within them that there's this way that will be an evolution for them in in the way that works for them. And I think the way that they get that Is when you talk to them in a way that they feel heard, they feel understood, they feel that you're aligned with what their big goal is. Okay, their big goal that they want to be and who they want to be and what they want to have. And they, they have that certainty that you're going to do it in a way that's aligned with them. They trust you and in a way, what we got back to, they trust them, but they know you can help them to do that. And that is a gift. It's a gift of leadership. Mm -hmm. do that so you don't approach you may say words and some people that are almost there we can have that conversation you just had and they'll go oh yeah okay I get that other people it's a different thing but for everybody it's not so much about the words even if they're hearing words it's about that energetic okay we go back to that frequency it's that energetic that they really get that you are gonna help them cross that bridge but they're gonna have something better there. Mm. again you can't let go but you can move towards again a lot of it is you articulated it beautifully but it doesn't happen in the consciousness for the most part it happens in that energetic it happens in releasing the fear from the body and that's why when people say change Mm. your mindset change your mindset you have to do this and they don't know why people don't do it because they can understand it understanding doesn't mean change Okay, understanding does not mean change we can know it, we can know, you know, what gets, you know, we know doing the same thing over and over, you know, but getting expecting a different result is the definition of, you know, insanity. We've heard that so many times being able to do it requires a different kind of trust and it's about an energetic and it's about the body and then the mind can come in.
0: I really have experienced this too, where it's just like, change your mindset, change your mindset. It's such a limited way of viewing it because, you know, you pointed out some of the trauma that as you're growing and we've talked about this other conversation before but like as you continue to grow that trauma starts to come up and it and for some people it's so terrifying that they just can't even go there but it doesn't have to be that way that's one of the things that I've discovered is is that the actual fear of dealing with the trauma is much
1: worse than the trauma itself exactly and the best experts of dealing with trauma more and more come out and say but the word they use is titration. Little bit, little bit, little bit. You don't expect somebody, which is what an unseasoned coach will do, to just move through it and have this big epiphany because they now understand it. You've got to give doses. You've got to give doses in a way that the system can handle it without getting, again, a technical term, flooded. But it makes sense. Right. Flooded. You don't want that to happen. You want it so that to me, the resistance, the fear of dealing with it, what do they say? Nothing, you know, it's not the fear, it's nothing to fear with fear itself, but it's in the body. So I'm not saying don't work with the mind. You want to work with all of it in an integrated way, but if you're dealing with most things, patterns, wiring, trauma. You've got to work with the body. You've got to work with the wiring, the energetic, all of those pieces. And it becomes not hard. It becomes like, right. it kind of like flows, and you wonder, why did this take so long? Why was I so scared of it? Right. Right.
0: I love what you said about the titration versus flooding. And it also points to making sure that you're working with people who responsibly know how to deal with this and know what, where their limits are. Because when you follow what you were talking about, with sitting with the body and just recognizing it, your body is never going to take you somewhere where you're not ready for it yet. And that's why listening to that inner wisdom getting curious with it that's what allows you to titrate it and actually integrate it at each stage as opposed to flooding it which is that's when you get into like the terror like well more than you, you can handle
1: and i think this is really important because as trauma one of the good things is that trauma is being more and more spoken about which is awesome the cautious part is now there are all of these people popping up as trauma informed coaches and business coaches and all these kind of things and a lot of them don't have the experience to know exactly how to navigate that with the individual they're working with. So, they, again, they mean well, but they're in over their head. And I've had some, you know, some really concerning experiences in my clinical world with people that went off and worked with people that pushed them and you know, tried to get them to have memories they didn't have or people that were, were trained in hypnosis, but they weren't trained in really understanding at a deep enough level or people that were you know, trained in business coaching, but they weren't trained to understand where they were pushing them and that there was a positive reason the person was resistant. So I think it's, I'm thrilled that people are recognizing all of these drivers. They don't call them drivers, but all these different aspects they didn't pay attention to before. But it means that we need to also be more careful that just because they're talking about it doesn't mean that they understand the way to work with it. Yeah. You know, you know, I'm not overly one of these safe space kind of people, but there are places that safety is really important or something we can really get a system in bigger trouble and create more trauma, or we can create less of what we want. We can get people to be more resistant, more shut down, less successful as they become more defended because they're getting pushed through the guise of truth and authenticity and understanding trauma they getting pushed too twice. It's not important. Right. Well, you know, I wanted
0: to just sum up some of the things that we talked about because we covered a lot and this was longer than I anticipated, but we just, it's flowing. So, right. Ooh, so some things that we covered is, is the importance of, we didn't really explicitly say this, but everything this comes back to like this litmus test of choosing who you want to be. and But you actually have to first have that vision and choose what that is. And the importance of actually the results that you're getting right now are based on who you're being right now, and you need to choose to step into something else. It's not about the willpower. Most people are are forcing results through this willpower, and you were you. I love that that change that how that energetically feels between willpower versus willing. I love that, and I love the point where you talked about stress being held in your body, and you know that exercise that you gave about how to really sit with it. I would say actually release it. I don't know if that's how you would call it. And, and using your body is really this alarm bell. And did, did I say that right, that you really, that alarm bell?
1: And yeah, it's like you're setting a little alarm so that you can feel, not even when it's happened, but I want people to feel it before it happens. Right. Because you to change it. And what you said, I mean, you're articulating and summarizing, you know, beautifully what we spoke about. One of the pieces, too, is that having the vision for who you want to be, sometimes you can't have your biggest vision for who you are now. No, and I do as a mentor I can see that. I'll hold that space. When they can't even see it, if I were to say it to them, and sometimes I do, they're like, Dr. K, okay, that's kind of crazy. Um, sometimes I say it to the, if I think it's the right person to do that to. Other times I keep it to myself. But I can feel where they're going. Oh, yeah. Right? So it's holding that space for vision that from who they are right now. It's like you can't always see it. You can't see the other side of the mountain unless you have the right tools to see.
0: I absolutely love what you just said here because
1: that really is like, you can only
0: see the vision that you have, the tools and things to expect. So sometimes this vision is smaller and when you can see it bigger, bigger vision for your clients, that's really where they set so much value. And like you as well, I actually hold back there's these visions I, I see for clients. And I even have like the, we have a private set of notes that we keep for our clients that like where we see their vision going that they don't even see. And then they grow into it and like, bam, we did it. And you being able to hold space for them. And then at a certain stage where they're like, they've grown so much that they didn't even realize. So like, do you remember when you used to think this way? And they're like, oh yeah. And that's one of the things that I have. We have our clients on our podcast and like, I remind them where they used to be. They're like, oh, I forgot about that. And they forgot about who they used to be because they're a whole new person. And this whole new person, they ex- expand the vision. And you know, one of the things that we do with our hands-off CEO retreat is it's all about expanding the vision because you can like, only go as fast as you have a vision for, like when we were talking about the mountain biking analogy, it's getting bigger and bigger vision so that you actually can level up to that. Now you see a new person who you can
1: become. Exactly, and, and unlocking the body so that you can expand. Yes. Right, You've got, if, you, if you're all bound up, literally bound up energetically, physically, your musculature. Then you can only expand your vision so far. But if you can take those binders off, not just blinders, but blinders and binders of your body, then the whole vision and your ability to actuate it becomes so. So I love that you said that because when I think
0: of vision, I think, and we're like seeing a vision, I actually don't think it's seeing a vision. And we talk about seeing a vision, but it's actually feeling a vision. Would you agree with that? Or do you see it
1: differently? No, I think it depends on the, you know, everybody has different channels that mm. they work through. So some people see it, some people feel it, some people hear it, which I don't quite get But they, well, sometimes I do, I hear the words that they're going to say then, but I think it depends on who you are. So for me, I tend to see and feel, and mm. people tend to see mm. other people have different ways of like sometimes I also, when I'm with somebody, i have just knowing, okay, I just know something and I can't even tell you where that comes from. You just know it. So we all have primary. Like for me, one of the primary is knowing, just this knowing. Place. So one isn't better than the other. It's to know the way that you know. And so okay. you know that the way you get seeing is through feeling and to help people that you work with because they may say, I don't see it, but they may be feeling it or they may be knowing it. So to help a CEO know how they process information. Right. It's huge because they may be thinking they don't have something that they actually do have because they're doing it through the words that you're using.
0: Yeah, and I see the the multi-channels. I actually thank you for saying that. That's really great insight. Dr. K, it was so wonderful having you here on the podcast today. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about you and your work?
1: Okay, so first I want to say thank you very much. This has been great fun. I know (laughs) you and I could just go on like this. They could go to the contact page. Um, They can do two things. One is they can sign up. On my website for VIP sign up so they'll know what events and things that I'm offering, other opportunities to really learn and participate. And then they can go to the contact page. I would love to hear what people took away from today, any questions that they have. So, drkazla.com and it's D R K A Z L O W.com, drkazlow.com. DrKazla.com.
0: Okay, great. We'll put that in the show notes. Thank you so much for sharing all this wonderful wisdom, and good luck on your upcoming book. It sounds fantastic. I'm I'm really excited to read it. Uh, Thanks again for being on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to see how this process could work for your business, we do an executive briefing where we lay out this whole process for you to see how it fits in your business. So jump on this opportunity right now if you're interested. We host them on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Mountain Time. They do fill up fast since um, we do prefer to have smaller groups, smaller group interactions. So if you would like to see our whole process laid out, come to our executive briefing and you can go sign up at handsoffceo.com forward slash RSVP to reserve your spot. Thank you so much for listening. This is Mandy Ellefson with the Hands Off CEO podcast signing off. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Hands Off CEO with Mandy Ellefson. If you want to work less and make more,
1: make sure you subscribe and get a new episode every week and help spread the word by leaving a review.